Hi, everyone, and welcome to another Firms Consulting Podcast. As we focus on the America Renewed theme, whereby we roll out real studies for real Fortune 500 clients and track the entire study, make it available on our site, show you how we did the analysis, our podcast over the next few weeks and months will focus on strategy consulting and how to be an outstanding strategy consultant, right? Today's podcast is about what makes McKinsey and BCG and and to some extent Bain, I wouldn't say better, but to what extent they've created a legacy of being better than some of the other firms, right? And the podcast is split into the following manner. Firstly, I want to talk about what makes these firms so unique. Then I want to talk about the skills you need. Then I want to talk about why people don't learn the correct skills. And I'll keep it quite compact, right? So let's start at the beginning, right? What makes these firms unique is their value system. It's that simple. It's the value system and the way they've organized themselves to act on their value system. Now, I've, I've covered this extensively in the training, so I'm not going to repeat everything because, frankly, I can't remember everything that's in the training. It's just too much of it. But when we look at McKinsey and BCG, looking outside in, all we see is they use these fancy analyses. They use these fancy toolkits. And I cannot tell you how many times I get emails and requests from people telling me, Michael, I want to be just like a McKinsey and BCG consultant. So um, how do I get access to the toolkits to, to be like them? Or I get emails from people at Accenture and Deloitte telling me, Michael, I don't understand why Accenture and Deloitte don't get the same respect as McKinsey because we use the same toolkits and same analyses. I've seen it. But that's not what makes McKinsey so great. Uh, and I mean, great is a relative term. Put that in inverted commas. They have a lot of issues as well. That's not what makes BCG so highly regarded by uh, firms in the strategy space. If you think about it, there are three things that you need to get right. One is the value system. You need to have the right value system, right? Then you need to have a strategy approach. The strategy approach is not the same as the toolkits. The strategy approach tells you if this is the problem a client is facing, how do I go about structuring the analysis to answer this problem? How do I go about developing the story from that? Once you have that, you then need to determine how you're going to do the analysis that you decided you needed to do through the strategy approach. So you need to have the right value system. You need to have a way of structuring the problem, which will tell you what analysis you need to do. And then you need to do the analysis. Three things, right? The values, the structuring, the analysis. But what most people do is they focus on just the analysis. So they'll, 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 they will learn how to do a segmentation analysis, right? And they'll be an expert in it. They'll learn how to do a financial analysis. And they'll be an expert in it. But that's not useful in the least. Because what you have to be good at is when you get into a client situation, you have to figure out whether you need to do a financial analysis in the first place or a financial model and then do it. So what is happening is that people are just looking at the, the presentations that McKinsey is putting together and saying there's a lot of analysis here. If I learn how to do the analysis, I'll be just like McKinsey, but that's not true. You have to figure out 
the thinking process that goes into why those analyses were chosen, and that's far harder to do. So everyone looking outside in focuses on the analysis, but they ignore the value system and the way the company is organized to deliver on that value system. They completely miss the strategy approach, which we teach extensively through our, our you know, libraries of material, and they just focus on the analysis. So that's why these firms are different. Three things you need. But now why don't people, the people look at me and they say, but Michael, if this is true, why doesn't everyone else know that? Why doesn't everyone else do that? Well, let me ask you a question. It's a very simple question. Where do you get your information about McKinsey and BCG from? You get it from, I'll tell you where you get it from. You get it from people who spent one year or two years at McKinsey and were very junior. Engagement manager and and that's junior. I mean, someone who's never worked at McKinsey and BCG will say, but that's not junior. They were a manager. A manager is junior. You're a very senior apprentice, but you're not a partner. So you're getting your information from people who are very junior, but none of that information comes from partners, right? We will be the only blog on the only organization in the entire world where we have actual partners training people. That makes us very unusual. But think about this even deeper, right? Why would McKinsey and BCG give away the secrets about what makes them special? They wouldn't. I mean, it would be ridiculous for them to put out seminars and papers about why they do things differently. It's their competitive advantage. They would never share it. Now, which brings me to the next point. Why don't people, when they hear the truth, why don't they respond to it? Why don't they say, okay, this is the truth. It's logical. Let's follow it. There's two things. Firstly, we're not trained to think logically. We're trained to say, if everyone is doing it, we should do it. If everyone says this is McKinsey's strength, the analysis, then I'm going to learn it as well. But let me give you a reason why this is a bad way of thinking about it, right? Let's assume that I am married to a heart surgeon. I am not married to a heart surgeon, but let's just assume for the sake of the story, I'm married to a heart surgeon. And we've been married for 20 years. And over those 20 years in our relationship, we have a uh, ritual whereby every morning we have breakfast together for an hour and we talk about our day. So my wife tells me the surgery she's done, the work she's doing and so on, right? Every day at lunchtime, we meet for lunch. Even if we cannot meet for lunch, we will speak on the phone for about 20 minutes. So at every day, we meet in the morning for breakfast, we meet at lunchtime or we speak at lunchtime for 20, 30 minutes and, and we have dinner every night together. Even if my wife comes on at 11, I will have a nap and we'll have dinner together. So basically, this goes on for 20 years. Sure, maybe we'll miss a few days, but 300 days of the year out of 365, this is what we do. Now, if I wrote a book on heart surgery, would you as a patient read this book in the background and say, oh my God, Michael had lunch, dinner, and breakfast with... Um, a heart surgeon every day for 20 years. He must be an expert. Let me use this to, to diagnose my problems. Do you think that uh, John Hopkins University, regarded as one of the best medical schools in the world, do you think those heart surgeons are going to say, Michael is an expert? He had lunch, breakfast, and dinner with one of the world's great heart surgeons. He must know everything about heart surgery. So let me use this book to, to treat patients. Of course, that is the most ridiculous thing. Like No one's going to do that. But if you think about it for a second, when you take advice in McKinsey and BCG, you do something even more absurd. You 
and you being most breeders, will take the advice of someone who spent just one or two years at McKinsey, never led a study, never made management decisions at McKinsey or BCG, never developed McKinsey's training, and you'll say, but this person spent a year there. He must know or she must know what's happening. Or they'll read a book written by some person who worked at McKinsey for a year with a McKinsey way or McKinsey mind or McKinsey secret, whatever it's called. And they'll say, well, this person worked at McKinsey. He did so many focus interviews. He must know. But how is it different from me spending 20 years with my wife and basically doing an interview with her three times a day for 20 years? There's no difference, right? But we can agree that my approach was absurd, writing a book about heart surgery. But why is it okay when we do that to get the underlying principles of how McKinsey works? In fact, it's even more ridiculous when you consider that most journalists who write stories about McKinsey and BCG or even writers, they don't even do close to that amount of work. But yet, we still fall for it. Another more absurd analogy is let's assume I was the brand manager of, I don't know, Nestle for three years and I then decided to leave and because I spent a lot of time working with the CEO of Nestle, I read a book about what makes Nestle excellent. Now, of course, that book is going to be worthless because just because I observe the CEO of Nestle doesn't mean I know why he made the decisions. But just that's the trap people fall for. The reason they don't want to hear the truth is because we, we do two things. We selectively decide, we already decide that this is what we think the answer is. And honestly, it's easy to think the analysis is what makes McKinsey good and BCG. I'll use, I mean, I use the firms interchangeably. They're very similar. Right? Big differences in culture and values and the way they operate, but similar enough for the sake of this discussion. So we decide that analysis is what makes McKinsey great. And we'll learn analysis. And then we'll look for data that supports that. And the reason we... The reason why many fall for that trap is because it is easy to go out and learn analysis. It's tangible. You either know how to do a DCF or you don't know how to do it. But if I say, actually, that's not the main competitive advantage of McKinsey. It's their value system and their strategy approach, the way they analyze problems, the way they decide the analysis do, that's much harder for you to figure out. You know, How do you know you have a good value system or not? It's very hard to figure that out. So people, the trap people fall for is what I call the ability to tick off the block a box people will do things that are easier to tick off to say they've done it even if it actually adds no value in the long term so when when you are thinking about how you are going to become an outstanding management consultant whether you work at mckinsey or bcg because there are many mckinsey and bcg people will never figure this out as well and they leave being pretty dumb it's not about the analysis. It is never about the analysis, right? It is always about the value system and how to develop the analysis. And, you know, you can think about this in a different way. There's this concept called McKinsey mums, whereby many organizations will go to McKinsey females who have left the organization, spend two, three years, sometimes longer, and they'll say, okay, I'm going to hire a McKinsey mum because she can do the analysis for me. So I wanted to do an analysis on what should be my marketing strategy. And they're so proud of themselves because it's obviously cheaper to hire the McKinsey mom. 
she probably works just four hours a day. And they'll say, I hired a McKinsey mom, and therefore my strategy must be right. But that's just stupid, right? It takes a team to develop a strategy. It's not about the analysis. And that's the, the, the trap everyone falls for. They'll say, okay, I give her all the data. She works at home. She gives me back. But the analysis, it, again, it falls into that bias where we say the main point of differentiation is the analysis. It's not the analysis. It's the insights you extract from the analysis. It's knowing what analysis to do. And you get this really bad, bad report put together. And people say, but surely, you know, it's not such a big deal because, you know, these are small organizations hiring these McKinsey moms. And by the way, I have nothing against McKinsey moms. I'm sure they're fine. But it's the way the organization, it's the way the media brands them. And it's the way, to a large extent, these McKinsey moms take advantage of that to sell their services, right? If you were a small organization, you have far fewer degrees of freedom than a large organization. Therefore, you need a much more considered strategy to get you out of the trouble you're in. So I would say smaller organizations actually require much more advanced strategy skills than a large organization. Think of how many startups fail. Think of how many small organizations fail. Think of how many times you've hired a consultant who came highly recommended and they did nothing for you. The point I'm stressing in this podcast is it is not the analysis that makes you a great consultant, but the value system that you deploy and the approach used to determine the analysis you're going to do. And then once you do the analysis, you can add in a fourth point here. It is how you interpret the insights. Well, firstly, can you even develop any insights? So think about that the next time you want to, to figure out how to replicate the skills of McKinsey. It's not about the analytic skills. It's about the build-up to the analytic skills. The analytic skills, think of it as the tip of the iceberg. It's what you see at the top, but there's about eight-tenths, nine-tenths of the iceberg that sits below the surface. And keep that in the back of your head when you are thinking about things. As always, I'll be more than happy to answer any questions, respond to any comments, and so on.